Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. But before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a success story. I wanted to tell you about my friend Carl up in New Boston, Michigan. He listens to our pods every week, and he heard me talking about how I might be able to help him out. So he hit me up over at SaveWithConrad.com. He just closed last month, and he left us a five-star review, and he had this to say. Not only did we save over $100,000 on our mortgage by removing several years off of it, he also saved us a few months of payments. In follow-up, Conrad and Steve are super helpful when I had additional questions. You can't go wrong here with Save with Conrad. Definitely worth the call to understand what your savings could be. Take Carl's word for it. He saved more than a hundred grand. What have you got to lose? Be like Carl. Go to SaveWithConrad.com right now and find out how much money you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Why not you? Why not now? Go to SaveWithConrad.com and find out how much money you can save for free. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get a quick quote right now. You'll thank me later and you'll be glad you did. SaveWithConrad.com. There's no better time to say I love you and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Brits.
Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? I love, you know, how we give a little bit of behind the scenes sometimes. And I, I just, it just still cracks me up when we could be having a goddamn normal conversation on this thing, catching up. And it's like, are you ready? I'm like, yeah. And I expect, you know, a little bit of something and I say, but now I've got to the point where you say, or, Hey, hey, you ready? And you just go, Hey, hey it's Conrad Thompson. And you're listening to and so now I'm used to it, but I still just find it kind of chuckly funny. Well, listen, we, uh, we're glad you're able to make it happen this week. It looked sort of touch and go. You uh, missed a couple of days to, uh, trek your son Kane from Houston home to Connecticut. And uh, along the way made a surprise run in here in Huntsville, spent one evening with your, your brother, Tom there in Knoxville. And as a result, you fell behind in your WWE duties where you've been working diligently 23 and three quarters hours a day. And, uh, you had to make up for that. So as a result, something to wrestle is a little delayed this week. And out of respect for your sleeping time, I thought, let's just hurry this shit along this morning. Don't get hot. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I will say that, um, uh, traveling across country in a Volkswagen Jetta, um, you know what? That's a comfortable little car, but not with two big people in it. And, uh, but I, I enjoyed the company of my son for, uh, several days and we got to hang out we had a snaps loop blast and he actually got to go and experience a JPWA. That's Jacob's wrestling. Jake, God damn it. That's a JPWA. Um, Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Kane actually got to participate in one of the classes and take some bumps and uh, achieve a little respect, if you will. So wait a minute. Or, Your son was taking bumps? Yeah. How about that? Yeah, put him in the class with uh, in in the class with old Dr. John Richards, Dr. Tom Pritchard there in Knoxville, Tennessee, and a great group of folks that he has in his class there, and it's one of the Testaments of if you have an inkling or you have a desire, a true desire, to be in a sport or the entertainment business, then JPWA, Knoxville, Tennessee, is a place to go because uh, it had a couple of, of fine young students that came up, shook my hand, and said they wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for this here podcast. So I'm glad that I could contribute in that way. But it was uh, a lot of fun just talking to them and asking me a lot of questions. I, I don't know if they were asking me questions because they were really interested or if they just didn't want to get back to uh, taking bumps and training because it was hot as a witch's tit in there. That sounds pretty hot. So 
now that we know your son is taking bumps, how much longer till he beats Drew nope. McIntyre clean in the middle? Well, Monday following Monday, got to build it up. Oh yeah. No spoilers. We don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something that we can all agree was awesome. It's Saturday night's main event. Number 27 from July 28th, 1990. We just passed the 30 year anniversary. Believe it or not, this was recorded on July 16th at the Omaha civic auditorium. Uh, but when it aired 12 days later on the 28th of July, it did a 7.2 rating. Bruce, take us back in time. Tell us a little bit about what would have went into taping a Saturday night's main event and how maybe that compared to an episode of superstars. Well, it was a little bit different in that a Saturday night's main event obviously was on NBC and that was broadcast television. Whereas the syndicated properties, they aired all over the place in, in different time slots all across the United States of America and the world. So that was a one hour show. Superstars of wrestling was, and it was more of a commercial for your live events, featuring your top stars working against enhancement talents. Maybe not. They weren't feature matches. They weren't big matches that could be a main event anywhere in the world, so to speak. And superstars was a way to, to tell your stories Saturday night's main event was more of the entertainment on that side of things because it was on broadcast television. It was on late night on Saturday nights on NBC, and it was a 90-minute show. So it was an hour and a half, and you did have feature matchups that featured the top stars against top stars. And the presentation was a little bit slicker, and we would often have a theme throughout the night that you followed and uh this one was no exception let's talk about some company news as we head into this show Meltzer would write the latest on the road warriors is they're set to debut on july 16th in omaha they'll keep the face paint but will come in with full heads of hair of course they'll be called the legion of doom and there will be no paul ellering their work is heels building towards a program with demolition while you might think it would draw better warriors versus demolition with warriors faces, you know, McMahon isn't about to make his baby face creation imitation have to turn heel to feud with the guys he wanted in the first place for the gimmick. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about this, but how big of a deal was it in 90 for the road warriors to come in? Did you still think that they were the team of old? Or did you start to think by this point? Well, they might maybe not as over as they were a few years before. I'm not sure that they were over nearly as much as they were a few years before. And as usual, Dave Meltzer was wrong in his, you know, they're coming in with full heads of hair because he's got the inside scoop. Um, of course, they didn't do that. And I always do, as, as you and I have discussed over the years, take exception to the, even though I wasn't a part of it, uh, the demolition being an imitation of the Road Warriors. And I think that they were a different presentation and those that looked at it as an imitation, I guess you could never convince otherwise. And to people that were only exposed to the WWE product and only viewed that were fans looked at the road warriors as a cheap imitation of demolition. So there's two sides to that argument. And, um, you know, it just depends on what side of the fence that you're on. And to me, they were two different tag teams. What made them similar was that they both 
painted their face and they both were big and rugged. But that's where kind of the similarities ended. Both great tag teams and great gimmicks, I thought. In late June, Ric Flair wound up meeting with the president, George Bush. And when I saw that in the newsletter, it made me wonder, did you guys ever try to arrange a meeting with the president for Hulk Hogan? Seems like that would have been a Vince idea. Yeah, uh, actually we did. And the, you know, Hulk, um, I don't know if Hulk ever went and visited the white house or not. I do know that there was a point where during the Clinton years, I guess had to be that Hulk really wanted to be the, uh, president's physical fitness spokesperson. And we, we tried to get in that way, but that was something that was something for Hulk. And, you know, anytime that you can, I know that, uh, you know, Reagan beforehand was, was someone that was a fringe fan. I don't know that he was a big, big time, not nearly as much as George Bush was. Um, the father, George H. Bush and George H. Bush was a good friend of, of Paul Bosch's who broke me into the business, who I've got a ton of personal handwritten letters from George Bush as president to Paul Bosch during a lot of, uh, the years that he spent in the presidency. So Bush was a big fan and you know, that was uh, pretty cool. Bruce, in this business, it's hard to tell what's legit and what's a work. And I'm not even talking about wrestling here. I'm talking about this podcast. I'm pretty sure you're working me like, I don't know, 60, 80% of the time. But you know what isn't a work, Bruce? The pain relief CBD topicals over at CBDMD. Now, before you skip this ad, bear with me for a second, seriously. Because if you have a sore back or a nagging joint that messes up your day, you really want to listen up. I have been using CBD MD for like a year and this stuff is legit. I mean, I can't recommend it enough. I, uh, I have a gimmick knee. I think that's what they call it on this podcast. I had a gimmick knee, not a trick knee, but a gimmick knee. And, uh, whenever that thing starts acting up, well, boom, CBD MD to the rescue. My wife even had knee surgery back when she played basketball as a younger person. Boom. CBD MD to the rescue. My mom, same deal. My sister's using it on her shoulder. This thing has infiltrated my family now because it's real. And check this out. When the topic of CBD came up for the first time, I had a lot of questions like, isn't it? Well, like, you know, marijuana. No, it's not weed. You don't get high or anything like that. All CBD MD products are THC free, but like, ain't it now? Well, you know, illegal. No, it's 100% federally legal and CBD MD's products are made right here in the U S of a, but well, you know, could you add it to my chicken salad recipe? Well, maybe, but they actually have some products that you can put in your chicken salad, but jokes aside, like I said, CBD MD's pain relief topicals work. And that's really what matters. And I don't know how much longer this deal is going to last, but right now I can get you 25% off your order at cbdmd.com when you use the promo code DOOT. That's right, D-O-O-T at checkout. Seriously, you got to get on this right now. I've looked around. This kind of deal on CBD is unheard of out there. So 
So one more time, it's cbdmd.com, and you get 25% off your entire order of superior CBD oil products by using the promo code DUTE at checkout. That's cbdmd.com, and they never have to sell because they're 100% legit. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. As you can tell, these guys are big fans of the show, and they're working hard to bring you some great products at a great price. If you dig the show and you got a little ache, you got a little soreness, why not try this and get a great deal? Do it right now. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did. It's cbdmd.com, and the promo code is DOOT. And how cool is that? D-O-O-T. I do want to mention around this same time as when Rick would drop the world title to Stig back at the Great American Bash. And Meltzer would speculate in the newsletter that Rick might actually be trying to get out of his contract to come to the WWF and perhaps even headline WrestleMania 7 against Hulk Hogan. Do you remember that ever being discussed as a possibility? I mean, I know you had talked about perhaps Rick coming in for SummerSlam in 88. We know that didn't happen. We know he's actually going to make the jump in the summer of 91. But back in 90, I believe there was a bit of a contract discussion before he dropped the belt to Sting, and it felt like a transition period. It feels like another time he would have at least had conversations. Do you remember that being the case? Any time that Rick was the least bit disgruntled or the least bit uh, happy with his contractual situation, money he was making, or any, anything else, there were always discussions. So Rick was always looking for greener pastures and seeing what the hell was out there. So yeah, there there definitely would would have been talks during this time, but there was never, to my knowledge, ever one time an inkling of Flair and Hogan for WrestleMania Seven. Meltzer a few weeks later would say the WWF top brass was talking until just a few days ago, like the signing of Flair was a done deal. The Toronto Sun, which has the strong working relationship with Jack Tunney's office, even reported on Saturday that Flair would be losing the title and had already signed with the WWF. And again, on Monday, they reported that Flair had signed and would likely feud with Ted DiBiase. Comments are now that if he doesn't come now, he might as well never come. Of course, never in wrestling terminology usually means two to three weeks. And of course, anything written by Dave Meltzer usually means that he's lying or making shit up or it's probably the opposite of what you're reading. Okay. A little heated today. Uh, do you remember? Oh, I'm coming in hot, Connie. Like 20, I'm coming in hot. Like one third hot. I'm, I'm third. like, I'm, I'm like it about, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not all the way half hot yet. So you're three eighths I'm, hot. That don't, that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I had to, I had to cipher in my head. I yeah, that's right. I'm three eighths hot motherfucker. Okay, my apologies. I do want to ask, though, we know when Flair does come in, he starts working with Piper and Hogan and everybody but DiBiase. It feels like the idea that he would be working with DiBiase would mean he would come in as a babyface. Was that considered? No. Okay. You got to get hot. I feel like you're half hot now. You're four-eighths hot, as you would say. No, I'm about three-eighths hot, motherfucker. I ain't half hot yet. You'll know when I get half hot. Okay, well, let's talk about somebody who was half-hot. It happened on July 4th. Brutus Beefcake is involved in that life-threatening parasailing accident. We've talked about it in our super heavily detailed Brutus episode maybe two years ago in the archives. But, you know, chat me up. Connie? Connie? 
Yes, sir. You realize how long we've been doing this here podcast? Uh, four years this weekend. That's right. It's so, pretty damn amazing when you think about it. It is. I think, uh, I could be wrong, but I think Monday is mine and your four year anniversary of the show. What are we doing? Are we celebrating? Uh, you'll probably be doing raw and, uh, I'll be doing mortgages. I had to get All right. All I'll right. Be, I'll, uh, here you go. I'm going to send it through the phone right now. Happy anniversary, baby. Oh, caught that. Uh, chat me up. When'd you hear about the accident? A uh, little footnote randomly Rick Rude's sister rides with him in the ambulance to the hospital. Everything's wrestling. Yeah, you know, uh, I heard about it day of, day that it happened, and it was a tragic accident that we were not so much worried about Brutus's career as we were his life and being able to survive it in general. It was a horrific accident and a miracle that Beefcake was able to survive um, and come out with his life, much less with, you know, his, his face being able to be reconstructed and, uh, live a somewhat normal life. Notice how I said somewhat normal for the beaver. Well, here's the deal. It's, it's quite the story. Uh, and we used his book as a reference. Go listen to our episode and check out his book. I highly recommend it, especially with the details of this accident. It's just like a horror movie. Something else from a horror movie around this time. Sergeant slaughter is going to be coming back to the WWF. Meltzer would write, Sergeant Slaughter is going to get a big push as Bruce Pritchard did several vignettes to air over the next two months every week on the different shows with him. I believe Slaughter will wind up as a heel, but he may start as a face and then turn, which would make the most sense. Of course, we know Sarge comes in as a heel, becomes an Iraqi sympathizer, and it feels like this could be the backup plan, or had you already decided it? Of course, we're going to watch Saturday night's main event shortly, but we see Tugboat as such a big part of this sort of having Hulk Hogan's back and based on what you've told us about Sheik tugboat, it feels like the original plan was based on what you said, tugboat's still the guy here in late July, but for Sarge to come back was the original idea just to heal Sarge, not necessarily Iraqi sympathizer or talk me through that. Well, the Iraqi sympathizer was a simple way to take the all American Sergeant slaughter GI Joe figure that had been loved and revered for so many years, that's an easy switch is to just take him from supporting America to going against America. And again, we're, we're talking completely different times here. This is 30 years ago in a different mindset in the world, how people viewed everything. So, your heroes were in America, red, white, and blue, and supported everything in a, an international or foreign menace, so to speak. Um, and Iraq was the, you know, that was the foreign menace at the time. So for someone to take sides against America, especially someone that was as red, white, and blue as Sarge had been painted previously, that was a major turn and a major change. So easy to hate right off the bat. You tell them exactly where he stands and difficult to find anyone in our country 
or in North America at least, to boo Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, or or to cheer Sergeant Slaughter for his embracing the Iraqi cause. Let's talk about uh, what's going to be cause for some headlines. Meltzer would report WWF wrestlers Haku and Brady Boone were arrested after a barroom brawl late Wednesday night near St. Louis, Missouri. The two, along with Kurt Henning, along with, uh, well, I guess that's it. were at pops saloon an after hours place in Sausset, Illinois, that many wrestlers frequent after the clubs close in St. Louis, according to police reports, Jerry Bishop, a five, 650 pound man asked a woman who was talking to the three wrestlers to dance. When he was out on the dance floor, Aku picked him up by the neck and threw him against the wall. As he was choking him, four bouncers went after Haku, who couldn't subdue him, and he had one of them up against the wall as well. Finally, it took six police officers to subdue Haku, one of whom was six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound former boxer, who ended up having to be examined in the hospital because Haku bit a chunk out of his back. Haku was arrested for battery, resisting arrest, and criminal destruction of property. Boone was arrested on a battery charge and he was hospitalized after the brawl, needing 21 stitches in the head after being hit with a bar stool. The wrestlers were spending the night in St. Louis after a show earlier that night in Decatur, Illinois. Bruce, these stories of Haku have become legendary. Uh, what do you remember about this one in particular? And, and did you ever see him in action? Well, yeah, I've definitely seen him in action. I've shared the uh, stay out all night story. Uh, about Haku single-handedly taking out four guys that just would not let up and uh, Haku being trying, you know, trying to be the voice of reason, doing everything in his power to just get these guys to go away until they finally had to make that first move and Haku made the second and the last move. Um, I wasn't there this situation i remember hearing about it and again you can only you can only comment on what you witness and what experiences you have it's for haku here's a man that has never been nothing more than a gentleman i mean he's only ever been a gentleman to me and i've seen him in situations where, yeah, he's pushed and where people have pushed because he is so nice. But there's that point to where you can only push someone so far. And with Haku, you push him too far, then you will have to suffer the consequences, whatever those consequences may be. So it, it's, um, I, I don't know what happened. All I know is that uh, Haku was involved and that Haku definitely held his own. And again, it, it's another, another chapter in the legend of Haku. But for me, first of all, I would go out of my way <laughs> to make sure I never pissed him off. Um, but I wouldn't want to. And, and I think that he is just such a gentleman and such a good guy all these years to me and everything that I've seen around him, I don't know that, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of it is, is true. I, I can see him ending it cause I have seen him in action and he's a double tough human being. He is a machine. He is, uh, different and he could be 110 years old on a Walker 
and um, or hell, he could be bedridden, and I wouldn't want to piss him off because <laughs> I just think that he is he is that tough and that that much resolve in the heart of Mr. Tonga. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. So, when did you hear he, he bit the chunk out of a guy's back? Like, what well, we've heard a couple of crazy haiku stories that always stick out to most fans. One is biting the guy's nose off. And another is biting a chunk out of a guy's back. I don't know. I mean, I guess as, as the story grew and as legend grew, and I, it, it wouldn't surprise me. There's um, a lot of, you know, a lot of tough guys and, and funny at shooters and like amateur wrestlers and shit bite in fights. It's crazy. But I think that the reason is, is that sometimes in amateur wrestling, when you get when you get in and you get someone down and your face is on someone's back, it's easy to do. You can bite the shit out of them if they're wearing a singlet and kind of come up, what? I didn't do nothing. Uh, but it'll get somebody to move. So I guess it works. Can't say, can't say that I, well, okay, maybe not. Just say that, can't say that I've ever bit someone in the midst of a fight, but I think I might have. Well, we got to hear that story one day. Let's talk about who else is coming in besides LOD and Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, we should mention LOD actually debuted on wrestling challenge. I believe the day before or earlier this day on Saturday night's main event. Um, no, yeah, I guess it would have been the day before that's right. So it would have aired the day before this one was taped. Either way, the point is lots of big wrestling legends are headed in, including Kerry Von Erich. And not long before this, he agreed to go to the NWA, but no showed his very first event and was fired. Meltzer would write as of late Friday, Von Eric told Jerry Jarrett, he wasn't going to the WWF and his brothers, Kevin and Chris had all insisted uh, to go to the Dallas based crew that Von Eric wasn't leaving. However, on Saturday, Carrie, who's dyed his hair black and then put silver streaks in it, gave his notice to Jarrett and left early Monday morning for Omaha. Von Eric will most likely oppose Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title as part of the SummerSlam pay-per-view on August 27th. 
Of course, we know Vince is going to call him Kerry Von Erich a few times, but he's really going to be known as the Texas Tornado. What was the issue with just letting him be Kerry Von Erich, do you think? Well, I think there was more markability in Texas Tornado, just on all levels, plus the fact that the company owned the IP and didn't own the Kerry Von Erich IP. So you create a new star, you create a new name, and that's the reasoning behind it. Meltzer's uh, speculation is exactly right. Uh, Kerry goes on to replace Brutus Beefcake at SummerSlam and beat Mr. Perfect for the IC title. And if we get in our way back machine a few years, it's been said over the years in 84, when Vince is looking to expand and get on a national takeover scale, he was really looking at three talents, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and Kerry Von Erich. Of course, it's been said that he really wanted Kerry. Uh, but he wound up getting Hogan chat to me a little bit about any sort of rumor and innuendo you heard about Kerry Von Erich coming in as early as 84, because he certainly had the look Vince like. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, throughout the years, the only two names that I really ever heard as far as building the company around were, uh, Hulk Hogan and Dusty Rhodes and Rick wasn't a part of that either. Uh, Kerry Von Erich is some one that I think a lot of guys, when I say guys, promoters in the business and bookers in the business would love to use Kerry because he had natural charisma, had a great look, and obviously a very strong following in Texas. But Kerry was a unique talent and, you know, uh, wouldn't shock me at all that he had his eye on Kerry Von Erich at all. Of course, we know that Kerry would hurt his foot in a motorcycle accident in 86 and wound up having to get that foot amputated. And the Von Erich family went to great lengths to keep this a secret. It's even been said that Kerry would shower with his boots on. And even when he'd go swimming, he would wear his wrestling boots. So I, I know this sounds weird, but did you know when Kerry came in that he was missing the foot or was that just rumor and innuendo or had you even heard that rumor? The entire, you know, wrestling world knew about the accident and the, the foot, the extent of the injury. I don't think that, uh, anyone really knew outside of those that were very, very close to Kerry and, and very close to Fritz, but even those that, that were close to him, some didn't know the extent of Kerry's injury. Now, years later, uh, Vince had, had told me that, yes, he, he did know and that the original story, but Vince didn't share it with everyone right away because Kerry was uncomfortable in, in sharing it. But the original idea was to tell this story about an incredible recovery on Kerry Von Erich's part of losing his foot and still being able to compete compete at a high level in the way that Kerry did. Uh, Kerry was uncomfortable with that. We never got to it, but I, I never really knew, never saw it. Uh, obviously there was something wrong. You could tell by his boots, but, um, say hundred percent. No, never saw it. Well, we're talking about. Sergeant Slaughter coming back, Kerry coming in, the road warriors coming in, but Jesse Ventura here is going to leave not too long after this. 
What's your memories of Jesse leaving here? This is before the whole lawsuit for the royalties and all that, I believe. I think this is about a Sega game. Do I have that right? Sega Genesis wanted to make a video game. They wanted to use Jesse Ventura. Vince told him no, and Jesse said, uh, okay, well, I quit. Is that pretty much the gist of it? As far as I remember, uh, there were so many different instances with Jesse through the years. But Jesse, Jesse was pretty damn independent, and Jesse had an agent that was out getting him deals in Hollywood and everywhere else. So Jesse, if he didn't like something, would move on and say next. And that's exactly what Jesse did in this situation where he wanted to do something and there was a disagreement, so Jesse moved on. Was Vince surprised when Jesse decided to go another direction? I don't think that, no, I don't think he was surprised. He was probably disappointed, but not surprised. If you want to save money this summer, why not start by paying less interest on your credit card balances? Refinance with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. It's an easy way to save thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate. Lightstream offers fixed rate credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. And by the way, that's much lower than the average credit card interest rate, which is more than 19% APR. Lightstream rewards consumers who have good credit with a great interest rate and no fees. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. But don't take my word for it. Check out this testimonial. I heard about Lightstream while listening to one of my favorite podcasts, and it prompted me to do some more research. After shopping around for a personal loan that would help me get a lower interest rate, there was no one easier to work with. Plus, Lightstream had the best rate by far. Better yet, no fees, and I had my cash within two business days. Overall, amazing experience, highly recommended. And right now, my listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. Now, the only way to get the discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval. Rate includes a half a percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. Well, let's get to this night's Saturday night's main event. It happened July 13th in Omaha, but as we said, it airs on the 28th. And we're going to do a watch along now on the WWE Network. I want you to uh, pull that up and pull up Saturday night's main event, July 28th, 1990. Get to all zeros, and Bruce will give us a countdown. He'll do three, two, one, play. When he says play, we'll press play. Bruce, just let me know when you're ready, and we'll get this show on the road. Well, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, you know what, Conrad? I'm a damn professional. I'm gathering and that. And ahead of this, ahead of this, I had a link that was sent to me that I went right to and I signed into my WWE network and I put in my password right there, right there where I had my uh, email. I made sure it was the right email for the WWE network. That email, of course, being, oh, wait a minute. But my password, of course, no one could ever guess that because that's just, no, I'm not going to do that either. But I put all that in. And then I went right there to July 28th, 1990, Saturday night's main event, and queued it up here. And in a minute, I'm going to say three, two, one, play. And when I say play, I want you to hover your little mouse 
over the arrow in the middle of the thing there. And when I say that word, P-L-A-Y, I want you to mash that button and we're all going to start together at the same time. Okay, I'm ready. All right, then here we go. In three, two, one, play. And your thing should be playing right now. And you should be looking at Lord Alfred Hayes from Mutual of Omaha. Uh, what was the hell was the guy's name? Marlon Perkins? Wait, this really was shot at Mutual of Omaha? Of course. We, we're in Omaha. Uh, so Wild Kingdom right there. Hey, but, read it. Why, does it. why is it Wild Kingdom? Like, of all the places to call a show Wild Kingdom, why does Omaha, Nebraska get that title? Because it was the Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Everybody knew that. On Sunday night at home, you watched Marlon Perkins' Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, and you went into the Wild and you, you saw these wild animals and shit. No, I didn't know that, but thank you for sharing. Let me see. Jesse see, here. that's what we do here. We educate people. I need to educate you on the good business internet. We've got Jesse Ventura on the left looking like, uh, a G- half GI Joe, half crocodile Dundee. Because he's on safari in the God, he's in the wild of Nebraska. Omaha. Omaha is just a crazy so they throw place. throw Omaha's. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the dark matches here on this night were Shane Douglas and the Brooklyn Brawler. I'm going to skip that one right there. That's that's JP Shellnut, and I'll call him later. Help me understand, though. Shane Douglas and the Brooklyn Brawler, do you think they both talked to each other the whole match about how well they were doing? That would be a pretty, you know what? I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they did. I'm doing really great right now. My mom can only see me now. Oh, you think your mom would be proud? You should talk to my dad. He's tickled. Here we go. Let's track it. Best opening entrance in the history of wrestling. I think so. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. God, Ruth looked good during this time. Fascinating that Kerry's making his debut on this show, but he's already in the open. Hey, trivia question for you. What's the name of that song? I have no idea. Obsession. Oh, here we go. Let's track it. Needs food to survive. Well, tonight is survival of the fittest. And warrior, you're just going to be another link in the food chain of this hungry beast. That's right, Ultimate Warrior. I have devoured you before. Now you will find out history must repeat itself. You are but a guppy in the ocean of life. And what you are about to find out is the waters in which you swim are inhabited by the deadliest predator of all, Ravishing Rick Rude, the next World Wrestling Federation champion. Let me give you a lesson in evolution, Rick Rude. In the food chain, the bigger animals devour the smaller ones. Animals fight for territorial boundaries. The ultimate warrior knows no boundaries. The ultimate warrior fears no predator. And tonight, Rick Rude, I will prove that I am the ultimate animal. So, of course, in typical Saturday night's main event fashion, you get your main event first. We got a lot of questions online about when's the main event on first because you're fighting sleep. Yeah. It's late night. It's the complete opposite to prime time and or early, uh, 
earlier viewing habits. By the way, they do that with uh, Saturday Night Live too. The best skits, the ones they think are going to get the most attention, their best work that airs at the beginning of the show. The ones they really struggled with that comes on at the end of the show. In prime time, your main event goes on last. In late night TV, your main event comes on first. Even late night talk shows, your big guest comes out first. He doesn't come out last. So yeah, that's sort of the idea with late night TV. And here he comes fresh off of beating Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania six in Canada, uh, as we, uh, march towards SummerSlam and these guys, as we know, are going to hook it up at SummerSlam in the main event in a cage match. And this is a whole new look for Rick Rude. Gone is the mullet. He's changed his whole presentation here. Has he not? Yeah, Rude just uh, got on a whole diet and like leaned out and just, uh, it was incredible. Just the <laughs> the diet. He was a grumpy son of a bitch uh, going through this transformation because he, he really just lived it and was on a different diet, not needing nearly as much as he used to and just working out and doing a lot of different cardio workouts and things, but got himself in tremendous shape. Not that he wasn't always in tremendous shape, but I remember this just being a grumpy Rick grumpier than usual for any of those that may have known him. Um, wasn't eating, right? trust me, man, those forearms could hurt. I think Rick Rude has uh, been criminally underrated and only in more recent years. So fans online started to really celebrate what a great performer he was in the ring. We always knew he was a strong promo, but there was even a Twitter account earlier this summer just dedicated to Rick Rude selling atomic drops. I mean, that's how good he is. What about these boots in the corner? What the fuck is this, Bruce? Ooh, well. Look at those tassels. Tassels give movement. I should yeah, mention was... here, we've got 10,303 fans for a $103,000 gate. So a lot of folks here in Omaha to see the wild kingdom. But if you're going to shit on those boots, please do. Warriors boots? No, the kicks. The kicks to the stomach of Rick Rude. Yeah, they, they were pretty bad. It was, uh, but at least I don't think those hurt. Can you believe they're going to give these breaking an egg? No, he's safe there. There you go. 13 minutes here. Like what the fuck? An ultimate warrior match that goes 13 minutes. Who booked this shit? Well, it's NBC, man. And and rude could get 13 minutes out of warrior. Rude actually could do it. This was during, during the time too, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get questions about, you know, the, the different paint that the ultimate warrior had. And this was an attempt to humanize warrior a little bit, make him a little uh, more, um, human, I guess by not doing the, the war paint, just doing like we started out with just one warrior symbol on his cheek and went to this and eventually got back to the, the full face paint. But, just different experimental things to try and humanize him a little bit when he became WWE champion. See uh, warrior doing the big splash there. Rude getting out of the way in time. 
something really interesting happens in the course of this match. I watched it last week for the first time in 30 years. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't think I've ever seen that. So I can't wait to ask you about it. But first I want to mention the other dark match here was Hercules beating Paul Roma or teaming up with Paul Roma, um, managed by slick. So this is the debut of power and glory. One of my guilty pleasures as a tag team. I absolutely love their finish. You guys are a bit of a, uh, I don't know. What do they call it? When a snake loses its skin molting. I feel like you're in a molting stage here as you sort of transition from Hulk Hogan's WWF to perhaps a new adjusted roster, with the ultimate warrior, you know, the road warriors coming in, carry Von Eric coming in, creating power and glory. Sarge is back, but as a heel, lots of stuff in flux here. Yeah, it, it is. And part of it is you did have to do without Hulk Hogan. So, Hulk wasn't full time and wasn't around as much. And this was an opportunity to say, okay, hey, warrior, here, let's sink or swim. And I'll, you know, I want to point out something too, as well. You know, much as we like to have fun with warriors' wrestling skills and/or lack thereof, you can't take away his charisma. But here's the other thing that you know, going back and watching that you notice and that you can look at from a performer standpoint. Warrior never stops moving. Yeah. And his cell, his cells are unique. In whatever he does, there's always something moving. And I was alluding to the tassels before, because even if he isn't moving, he'll give you the illusion of movement because of what he wears, being colorful and flowing. And that, to me, is another ingredient that even while Warrior is down on the ground selling, he's rolling around. He's actually moving and selling. His, his, his hand's moving. He's shaking his head. And that is something that you can try and teach, but people either get or they don't. And this was a part of Warrior's character that he understood that, yeah, he wasn't the greatest worker in the world, but he was exciting. Can't believe and he just you gave a compliment. Take that away from him. it's real progress. You, man, you you managed to compliment the ultimate warrior. Well, yeah, you got. I mean, look, I've always said the guy was charismatic, and I've always you know, look. He 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 drew the audience loved him. It's just having to work with him, having him break my neck and kill my teeth, and all that wonderful stuff. Just. uh not one of my favorite people, but I, again, it's just one of those things you notice little things that people ask, what's the difference? You may not be able to put your finger on it, but in watching and watching, this is a good example of even right now, while warrior is selling his hand is up, he's moving, he's moving his arms around and he's alive. He's not dead. By the way, Rude's going to put him down with this sleeper. And watch how Jeffrey, uh, re- easy for me to say, referee Joey Morella checks on the warrior. Because I was expecting one thing and I got another. What the hell were you expecting? You'll see it. Well, you can still tell me what you're expecting if we're not. You, you see, you say we're going to get another. You're not telling well, me what, what you're expecting. What is he doing? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, what? he left his leg. A second time. Uh oh! Oh God! It's a ring the bell. That's right. Because the leg lift—he's nope. shaking nope. his leg like a dog. 
help me understand. Why didn't he just lift his arm? Why the leg? Is that a warrior request? I don't remember ever seeing that. Well, it's different. Well, why do you go into defense mode? I'm just asking if you've ever seen well, it. No, right. I, I, I'm not defense mode. I'm answering your goddamn question. Well, now you're three eights hot. You're more than three eights hot. You're five eights hot. I'm seven fourteenths hot. That's half. Of what? You meant to say seven eighths. No, I didn't. Are you nine eighths hot? Almost. So let's talk a little bit about. I got to think when you give me numbers and mathematics, it's something. Name, an, name another fucking match that you remember somebody picking up the leg like that. I've never seen it. You just saw it. Jesus, I hate you. Uh, talk about the decision to turn Hercules and Paul Roma both heel, make them a team. Who picks out the name, power, and glory? Why was Slick their manager? What can you tell us about my, uh, my guilty pleasure, power and glory? Well, we weren't really going anywhere with either one of them at the time. And looking at both of them, there was an upside. Great look. Both of them talented in the ring. Let's try it as a tag team. Plus, they were friends and liked to work out together. So you look at you know the power in Hercules and Paul Roma trying to take him and take his attributes and make him a little more arrogant, and that's the glory. Lenny Bakken wants to know, does Bruce think that Rick rude fulfilled his potential during his WWF run, or could he have been even more? I think that Rick rude did an absolutely wonderful job with everybody that he was booked with while his run in WWE. And I think that Rick, um, just kind of got to the point where he was frustrated from always being the guy to get people over. I think that was probably Rick's biggest just frustration. And Bobby's biggest frustration was having people grab him around his neck. Yeah, and there it was. Uh, John Etherton writes, the old WWF magazine had a segment on the superstars gym workouts. Rick Rude said he was in and out of the gym in 45 minutes. Any truth to that? And where does Bruce think that Rude ranks on the all-time abs list? Uh, during this time, Rude was working out like an animal, um, just because he was doing a lot more cardio and in a different kind of training to cut up. And I think that Rude was one of the first guys with that kind of ripped ab that accentuated it and definitely in the top five. So there you see Marilla. Calling for it, even though Vince is going to say it's a DQ, uh, Meltzer would argue, I believe that it was actually a count out, but either way, here we are. Ultimate warriors victorious as he swings the belt around his head, Seth Rollins style. I love that sweeping crowd of the shot. Who used to do those shots for you? Is that your man Bubba or is this pre Bubba? Oh no, this pre Bubba. This pre bubble. This, this was Saturday night main event. Ooh, we got a steady cam. It's, let's use it or the or the cherry picker, whichever one it was. Right, next up, try to you know a lot of times in the in the earlier uh, Saturday night main events, it was 
a different director sometimes that would come in and cut things, and you had a little bit different feel. And there's Lord Alfred and Gene Mead. Why all the fucking kingdom, man? I never watched this show. Why? No, not Saturday Night's main event. This Wild Kingdom show you're talking about. Your dad did. You don't know shit about my dad. I know your dad did. Was it a Western? It was a goddamn Wild Kingdom show. They went and visited out uh, tigers and lions and bears and shit out in the Wild Kingdom. My dad didn't watch that show. Look at the gazelle. This right here is Wild Kingdom. They got they guy sat in the in his little fireplace in his den there, and he would throw back to the time that he was in the deepest, darkest Africa and came across a, a beautiful gazelle, and then he saw the tiger stalk its prey and then eat that beautiful gazelle. What a shot! I love this crowd shot, dude. You're welcome. Oh, and here he is, Hulk Hogan. What a special tribute video. Let's track it. This hit me in the feels as a kid, dude. Me? Love that shot. We see Earthquake sitting on Hulk Hogan here on the Brother Love Show. And I fucking hated you in this era. For you allowing this to happen. I love this version of his song though. Listen to that. So sad. Does anybody do packages like this better than y'all? I don't think so. Yeah, all these highlights and just he's gone. I remember the uh the way this even though I saw this for the first time in 30 years last week, I told everybody I was watching and I said, wait till you see the, uh, the locker slam by itself. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's the way the video ends. And no one remembered it, but it made such an impression on me. I had it down pat. Was that you there? Like crying when Hulk got squashed? No, I would have been distraught though. What about there? No, that's my mom. Hey, uh, did you know that that scene? where all the kids were surrounding him when he was in the blue and white, when he was ripped in no holds barred. Did you know that buff Bagwell was there for that? I did not. Buff Bagwell was an extra in that shot, a, a child buff Bagwell. Learn something new every day. I'm sure you'll hang out. Well, was that, I don't, I don't know if that was the, uh, no holds barred shot or if that was the, the early Hulk shot. Well, there was two. So no one's bar. The one on the motorcycle was a Hulk shot, but the uh, white blue, that was definitely from the movie. And there you see tugboat. There's the I love this thing. You had to go right in for with the little tears, hugging the bear. This is so sad. I need music like this on WWE now. Here it is. What a shot. And my friends were like, don't shut it. Don't shut it. I'm 
Spoiler. It's over, Conrad. It's over. What a great video. Ross is hung up. It's check, done. Check this out, though. It's not me and Gene in the middle of the ring being the stick man. It's Hulk Hogan talking to Vince. Listen to this. By the way, when we used to do live shows before the world ended, and you used to talk about WrestleMania three and the way Vince would introduce and wiggle that hand. He just did it there for Hogan. And what a great hero shot this is, man. I love when you guys did that for him. There's Hulk Hogan, man. I, and, and the feeling here, because there was a part of Hulkster during this period that he kind of thought that people would forget him. Or not care as much. And by God, that was not the case. At all. If if anything, they wanted him that much more. And we see he's coming to do an in-ring interview here. I, I do want to ask, why is... Why is Vince the right guy and not Mean Gene? This is the typical Mean Gene spot. Why was Vince the guy? It's Hulk Hogan. It's special. It's his return. This could be a a career-defining moment that that the voice of the WWE... Look, Vince's ear hurts because it's so loud in there. He's telling you. Yeah, Earthquake made a big mistake, bitches. Uh-huh. That's why you bring signs, folks, because the Hulkster might take it and bring it in the ring. It's a cool moment here. You know, when you really think about what a big show this is, one of the, the first times we see Saturday night's main event, I, mean, I guess it is the first time we see Saturday night's main event, with Hulk Hogan post the title loss and you get the uh, warrior in a big title defense, the debuting Harry Von Erich. It's uh, there's a lot going on here, man. Yeah, it definitely is. But I think that, you know, uh, as well as being able to take the warrior and position warrior as the new champion and the guy, this was great. Here's Hulk Hogan. Here's the guy that basically made Saturday night's main event at this time. And is he or isn't he? Is he is he coming back? Is he going to retire? That was the speculation leading up to this because people weren't sure. Have we seen the last of Hulk Hogan? And what better place than Saturday night's main event to not only say, no, you haven't seen the last of me, but to say, hey, I'm coming back and I'm going to beat that big bastard at SummerSlam. Let's, uh, let's bounce around a little bit. We've got some questions here. Tony wants to know who produced that amazing Hogan retrospective video. To me, this is still one of the best uh, packages the company ever produced. Uh, best of my re- recollection. That was Kevin Dunn and Kevin Quinn. Tons of people want to know why was this a wild kingdom theme and who came up with the idea? You said it was a TV ripoff. I get it, but it didn't age well. Who pitched this? Do you remember? Is this a Vinceism? Is this something NBC wanted? 
it was, again, it was Omaha. I'm going to stop down real quick. Just This won't take long. Omaha. Look, this is 30 years ago, folks. And if you're 25 years old, you don't know what the hell we're talking about. If you're 30 years, you probably don't know what the hell we're talking about. Obviously, if you're 35, maybe you don't. But Mutual of Omaha was like the wonderful world of Disney. It was on Saturday or Sunday nights. And it was hosted by Marlon Perkins. And it was a very famous Wild Kingdom type show that highlighted animals from all over the world. And being in Omaha, Mutual of Omaha was an insurance company that uh, was very famous. And no one thought anyone would question it 30 years. Of course, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom would still be on. Uh-oh. Speaking oh, of the wild kingdom, here comes that mean, nasty earthquake. And it looks like he's got Dino Bravo and Jimmy Hart in tow. What's going to happen? Well, you're going to get hit with a fucking belt, motherfucker. Dino's a sneaky son of a gun. Yeah. yeah. Earthquake's trying to tell Bravo to get up on the apron. But, you know, this was, this was nice. This was good shit. First time Hulkster's back. What the hell's going to happen, man? It's, oh, thank God for the, (laughs) you wonder where he got that Shockmaster fall from. That was kind of like a prelude to Shockmaster there, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, he didn't do that till 93, but it looked like he broke himself in half trying to get in the motherfucker. Yeah. Big Fred's a big son of a bitch, man. Big, strong, and, uh, great guy. Huh? Great guy. Awesome guy, man. Like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet started out San Antonio, uh, with Fred Barron as, I think like uh, Fred O or something like that, but huge guy, great guy. And now you see there's Gene and Alfred out in the wild. Did you shoot these? I might have. It all runs together eventually, huh? It kind of all does, yeah, after, after a little while. But yeah, I think I shot these. One of the questions that we got uh, was about Vince on commentary. Rajiv wants to know, why do you think people give Vince a lot of flack for his commentary? I thought he was great on this show. I think too. Well, I think that people grade it looking back and I think I, I accept it more looking back, but Vince wasn't uh, a traditional play by play guy that when you saw Gordon Soley or later on Jim Ross, Vince had a different style and Vince was Vince was a host and basically a narrator that told you the story as we went through the show. Look at that snake. It's getting close to Gene Mean. There he is. Jake the snake is in the woods in his tights. It's not in the woods. They're in the wild. Sorry. This is like we flew to Africa to shoot these scenes. That's cool. The, The African train track. I was wondering about that. 
Yeah. I had to check both ways to make sure. You like jeans, uh, foot attire? I like the cargo shorts. The cargo shorts and those uh, loafers. That's a very British picture yeah. look. You know it. But there's the bushwhackers. Did you ever get uh, your bushwhacked? I beg your pardon? I don't say anything. Okay. We're back in the arena here. You know what's coming up? It's uh, Rockers and Demolition Roll Tide. And of course, on this same show, we've got Tito Santana and Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental. And here come not one, not two, but three members of Demolition. Crush has just joined in the last, I don't know, six weeks or so, I believe, here. And they're invoking the Freebird rule where any two members of the three person team can defend the title belts. And I think this happens as a result of uh, a shellfish incident with uh, Axe overseas. Is that right? Yeah, there was so, there was something uh, an abnormality with his heart that something had triggered it, and wanted to continue to have Bill be a part of it. And while Bill was going through all of his his treatment, and what have you, Brian Adams was there and able to bring him in. And yes, I will I will say that I did suggest the free bird rule. And yes, I definitely uh, stole that. The rockers here. Do you think, uh, they're sort of the precursor for the Hardy boys and the young bucks and teams like that with, uh, some of their tag team combinations and high flying ways and whatnot. I think that the rockers were the standard bearer for a lot of that. And, you know, the rock and roll express earlier than the rockers. Um, but those two teams in many ways, along with the midnight express changed the way that people viewed it was an opportunity a tag team like the rockers rock and roll express was an opportunity to take some guys that may not have had the size and be able to feature them in a way that you could accept them and go holy cow and it made everything different we see uh smash here working with marty Janetti. marty Janetti, man I don't remember seeing many bad matches from him in the company. It's one of those things where you can't help but wonder what if. Yeah, Marty, Marty and Shaw were both great, but Marty definitely uh, unbelievable talent. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what we're seeing here a moment ago with, with Hulk Hogan coming back. He's fresh off of filming Suburban Commando, or is he still shooting it during this point, do you think? Um... I think he was still shooting it because this is, this is in August. So yeah, I think Hulk was still shooting it. Josh Coon had a question about that Hulk Hogan interaction. Any relation to Matt Coon? No. Uh, Matt, if he is, I'm going to play some music or something over this answer. Uh, Josh has a last name that starts with a C. Matt has a last name that starts with a K. Okay, so Josh is like raccoon. Okay. Uh, Josh Raccoon wants to know, Hulk Hogan and Vince look great together in the ring for their interview segment. How was their relationship at this time, and how would you classify their relationship today? I do think that's interesting because the company is in a state of flux, if you will. We're transitioning from Hulk Hogan, who's been the flag bearer for, I don't know, more than half a decade. 
and we're moving into the ultimate warrior and Hogan is seemingly going to try his hand in Hollywood a little more than he did the prior year with no holds barred with the suburban commando project. What was the relationship like here, Bruce? And what can you tell us about the relationship now? If you know the, the relationship at this time, it was good. And there's always been a, you know, a love hate relationship there, but underneath it all, there's always been a mutual respect. And I think an admiration on both sides for one another. And during this time, it was Hulk coming back and kind of wondering, is he going to achieve that same glory? And I think that once he came back, not only did he achieve it, but I think that Hulk kind of looked at it as, okay, follow me now, you know, follow this bitch, um, to everybody on the roster and Hulk, feeling that it's his way of just letting everybody know, Hey, yeah, I'm back. And I still am the top dog. I don't think that the rockers were capable of a bad match here. And I just love demolition as a kid. I love the idea of there being three of them too. And boy, with the face paint. Oh, that was a little less than ideal, but a cool shot. I like that NBC shot. We don't see that often where the map. Or the uh, cameras right on the canvas. That was a cool look. Thank you. Uh, Dan, I doubt it. But still. No, I'll just take it anyway. Dan Brillo wants to know, I watched wrestling for three to four hours every Saturday and Sunday, but I never knew Saturday night's main event was on half the time because I don't know that it was always promoted. I guess I'd miss it. Was there a reason I needed a TV guide to tell me at just 10 years old? I do think this is an interesting question because... I guess you guys didn't promote it a lot during your syndication because you didn't want to necessarily tell your audience on, you know, CBS, turn it over to NBC. So you just hoped that NBC would promote it and you would maybe run some newspaper ads or what was the thinking? Yeah, no, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, during those syndicated shows, we plugged the living shit out of Saturday night's main event. I mean, so much so that they got individual and customized voiceovers in a lot of markets saying, hey, tonight, over on channel, whatever. Um, I mean, we got in a lot of trouble for it, but we, we promoted the living shit out of it. That's how I remember that to the point of we, we walked up to and crossed that line quite a bit. Look at another question here. This one comes to us, um, from your man, Lenny Bakken. How sudden was Jesse's departure in 1990? Did Bruce see it coming? And what was Vince's reaction? We sort of talked about that earlier in the show, but you know, you had said that he had had a few run-ins, but did you know about this Sega thing or was it after the fact when you learned shit, that was fast. No, you know, it was. I think there were always grumblings and rumblings. And in addition to that, from producer standpoint, you're always looking for new talent regardless. So was it abrupt? Yes, it was. But at the same time, okay, next. You just have, you have to be somewhat prepared in the back of your mind for what's next. It's just such a noteworthy show we're watching here. As we said, Hulk Hogan's back. Warriors defending the title. We've got Crush making his Saturday night main event debut like a month or six weeks in. The Road Warriors, who are only like a couple of weeks in, they're making their debut. 
Kerry Von Erichs making his debut. There's just so much going on here. Uh, let's talk about the importance of Saturday night's main event from a talent perspective. Eric writes in, were payoffs for Saturday night's main event matches different than the superstar slash wrestling challenge matches? I think, you know, it, it, it would probably depend. I don't think they were. I, I actually, well, I take that back. I think that they did get a little extra for Saturday night's main event, but the superstars and challenge shows, those are syndicated shows and those were to promote you for the live events. So the shows had different purposes. Um, they might have gotten a little extra for this. I don't really recall back in that time frame. I don't think we've seen Shawn Michaels in there yet. Marty Jannetty's just been taking a beating. Well, it's Robert Gibson. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, actually, Ricky was the one that sold, and Robert always made the comeback. I know what you meant. You knew what I meant. He had brown hair. No? Maybe. We should also yeah, mention before this show went on the air, the Boy Scouts of America gave Nikolai Volkov a medal, and Nikolai cried and then did the Pledge of Allegiance. What do you remember about... Uh, the Boy Scouts of America relationship with the company in this era. I think more than anything, it was a it was a local situation, and it was some some way to just allow Nikolai to embrace America all that much more. While America's own Sergeant Slaughter was turning his back on his home country, that Nikolai was embracing the country that embraced him. You know, we talked about the fact that you guys actually shot this 12 days ahead of time. How much production was added to this after the fact? Like, is this pretty much live to tape or is there a ton of edits and work sort of once the, uh, the bell rings? Yeah, there's uh, as much editing as went into the syndicated properties and, and what have you. But so, yeah, there, there was quite a bit of editing that took place because these shows were shot fat and cleaned it up, edited it quite a bit, and made it as perfect as it could be for broadcast television. Well, there's a nice bump. But the the, the rockers, again, man, this was, and you look at the size, they're, they're not small guys, but yet they were small in the land of giants, and being able to do the, the hey, these are tag team experts, and sell the rockers that way, made them viable and I dare say they usually had the best matches on the card every night. I love the finish of this. Check this out. Axe is going to come in, clothesline him right off, make the cover and cover up his hair because he's got the same outfit and dark hair and face paint. So it's indistinguishable, which is which that damn free bird rule is invoked. Ta-da demolition, pick up the win. And we're not done. We've got a, a little big debut here coming for the tag champs as a surprise. I don't know that Demolition is ready for this. Demolition is always ready, by God. If only they had Mr. Fuji. Oh, this is bullshit. Hey, yeah. Hey, those guys over there, eh? 
Nightheart's just yelling, bless his heart. How about the Ooh. Road Warriors here? Legion of Doom in the ring with the Heart Foundation and the Rockers and Demolition. What a great year for tag teams this is, 1990 here. Well, see, and this is bullshit too, man. This is basically six against three. This is unfair. The heels were baby faces and the baby faces were heels. Yeah. I mean, according to Meltzer, they were coming in as heels and demolition was going to be baby faces. Well, then that must've been what we did. I knew this couldn't have been out behind your house because those, those leaves don't have enough, uh, well leaves. Oh, you know, but the, the mosquitoes, oh God, Gene, oh no, getting bit in his butt. should also mention bad news. Brown would beat Jim powers and the match would wound up airing on the August 18th edition of superstars. So you guys were trying to capture as much as you could when you've got the whole camera crew out there, huh? Well, that, that would be called doing production and, and actually take, take care of the budget and getting as much as you possibly can. It's not really a good idea. It's just to go and shoot one thing unless you're live. We weren't live, so opportunity to produce and go. I hated this theme, Wild Kingdom. This is dog shit. This is a great. You know what? Just because you know, Conrad. I'm getting there. Seven eights hot now. Just about. Here he comes, Dave Silva's favorite wrestler, Tito Santana, one of the nicest guys ever, and I think you could argue this is one of his better matches especially from this era, but certainly in front of the biggest audience, Ariba. And here we see Sean Mooney backstage with Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect. Let's track it. Your title bout. Mr. Heenan, would you like to speculate on this upcoming title defense for Mr. Perfect? Oh, I'm going to be feeling the effects of the Mr. Perfect match, but it will be from the champagne from the victory party. You see, Santana, you're a former Intercontinental Champion, and that's the way you're going to stay. You know, I hear people make reference to Tito Santana to have the same likeness as a cheetah. There's only one perfect animal in the world, and you're looking at him from the perfect mane to the perfect 2020 vision to the perfect teeth with no cavities. Tito Santana, what you're looking at is what champions are made of. Intercontinental champion, Mr. Perfect. And it's Saturday night, Santana, and I'm at my best with Bobby the Brain Heenan in my corner. I see nobody, nowhere stopping this force at this time. Let's go back to the ring for yet another championship match. My God, did Kurt look great here? Kurt always looked great. And when you talk about one of Tito's best matches, well, hell, if he didn't have a good match with Kurt Hennig, something would be wrong. I liked uh, Kurt in this outfit, by the way. We're not too far removed from WrestleMania six, where his undefeated streak would end to Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake. And we know Brutus earlier this month nearly died. So everything's upside down. And now Kurt is the intercontinental champion and we need an opponent for him. And we know it's going to be the debuting Kerry Von Erich here a little later. I guess we should mention to everybody how he won this intercontinental title. Um, Back on April 15th on Wrestling Challenge, the 
figurehead president Jack Tunney would announce that the Ultimate Warrior had relinquished the Intercontinental Championship, and a tournament would be held to crown a new champion. And it began on, it began on the April 28th Superstars. Santana beat Akeem by countout. On the May 5th episode, Perfect beat Jimmy Snuka. The next week, Dino and Brutus would wrestle to a double countout, and they're both eliminated. On the 13th of May on Wrestling Challenge, Piper and Martell would also wrestle to a double DQ and are both eliminated. So that means now Santana and Perfect are going to get a bye to the finals and they'll wrestle each other. And that happens on May 19th. Mr. Perfect becomes the Intercontinental Champion, beating Tito Santana. And now here we get the big rematch. This actually gets a little bit of time, 12 minutes here on the big show. You know, you know why you're digging Mr. Perfect so much right now? Why? Look at the tan. The tan and the neon? Yeah. Well, because that tan is over. The blonde hair, the tan, it's... You've been hanging out with Eric lately, I can tell. Need something. Uh, Lenny Bakken has another question. If Kurt Henning was alive today, do you think he'd be involved in the wrestling industry in some capacity? I gotta think so. What say you, Bruce? I think that Kurt could have been involved pretty much in any way that he wanted to. Kurt had a great mind for the business and loved the business in general. So I think that passing on his knowledge to the younger talent that, yeah, he definitely would have been. Or he could have been uh, hunting with Wade Boggs somewhere and just uh, chilling out. So I heard a great story the, the other the other day about Wade Boggs and Jeff Foxworthy and uh, the Big Boss Man and that they'd been on a hunting trip and Jeff Foxworthy had that's why I think of this because Perfect and all those guys always used to go hunting I believe Perfect was probably there too but Jeff Foxworthy shot a big buck and spent all day looking for the buck because obviously after he shot it, the buck ran away and he couldn't find it. And so after spending all day looking for the buck, he couldn't find it or anything like that. Uh, they all came back to the cabin and what have you. Wade Boggs got a big uh, buck that was like in the lodge there that had been stuffed and placed it in Jeff Foxworthy's bed. So when Foxworthy went to bed that night, he had a big buck in there and they said they said uh, hey hey way uh this is what deer looks like in case you needed to know since you couldn't find it it's funny haha bradshaw told me the story it was much funnier when he told it but it was a haha because he came out and he says you know i wish i was bigger and i had somebody that was tough enough that could actually fight wade boggs and the big boss man but he didn't so he just had to laugh about it Boy, look at that, Mr. Perfect in that tan. You're really struggling today. You know why blind people don't skydive? No. Scares the shit out of their dogs. Well, folks, the show is off the rails and it's all downhill from here. What? I haven't gone to, to Papa Tomato, Mama Tomato, Baby Tomato, walking down the street. Turns back and says... Pop well, baby tomato falls by. Uh, pop tomatoes, mama tomato squashes, baby tomato, and whatever says ketchup. Yeah, that's the worst. 
butchering of a Pulp Fiction joke I've ever heard. Thank you. Damn, Earl Hebner and your hurt ankle. That ankle is hurt. I can tell by the look on his face. But Mr. Perfect is giving up. He's saying right now, I give, I give. Please, I give. Oh, my God, no more. I give up. Can't fans. you hear him, Earl? Look at the fans. Everybody's on their feet. Well, yeah, because he's giving up. They know it. They hear it. Why can't Baby Earl? The pain in Baby Earl's ankle has gone to his ears. Oh, that's, I mean, hate to hear that. Yeah. Flying but burrito. The, but the, this is the best part of, of everything coming up, by God. His ankle's still hurting, but he sees that pinfall. Now, watch this. Here he comes. And this is the worst. Oh, my God. No, not today. Look at the crowd, dude. Yeah, that damn referee. Hit his other ankle, Tito. Bullshit. I think they're in cahoots. Have you ever been to cahoots? I have. It's in uh, Fayetteville, uh, Tennessee. It's a restaurant inside of an old jail. Oh, okay. Yeah, his ankle hurts so bad that it's affecting his counting. And he goes right back to holding it because it hurts. And yet the goddamn trainer nor fellow referee has come out yet. Charles Robinson, if he was with y'all, he'd be sprinting down the aisle. Would he? He is a little oh, yeah. sprinter. If George Michael were in the ring, he would. Are you Those all the way on the loop there. on that obsession now? What's that? Are you all the way in the loop on that obsession now? Ooh. Charles Robinson uh, loves him some George Michael and Wham. He loves so George Michael so. more than anything except his daughter. I don't know that, that his daughter ranks up there that yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wins. I know that. Okay. All right. Well, now you got old referee Fetty Smart in there. Where the hell was he during all that time that Baby Earl had a hurt ankle? That's what I'm saying. Tito could have won. He could have. But shit, he didn't. But Lenny Baca doesn't have another damn question. Stumped you though, didn't it? Yeah, I get you one. Don't get hot. Sorry. Let's talk about uh, your man here, Buddy Rose. We're going to see him take on Kerry Von Eric in a few moments. And Tony wants to know who came up with the blow away diet gimmick for Buddy Rose. Buddy Rose pitched that idea at a Denny's um, somewhere in the Midwest but I will never, ever forget it as long as I live. Buddy was in his different booth, and we were, Pat, Benson, myself, were sitting there eating late-night meal when Buddy came over and everyone had, had had a few adult beverages and says, hey, Vince, I got an idea. 
What about, because, you know, because I am a nice felt 217 pounds, but for all those other fat fuckers out there, he goes, we have a diet and it's a, it's a big box of powder, like you get like a big detergent box of powder. And you dump all this powder and shit all over you because then we turn on a big fan and, and the name of the stuff is blow away. Because all you got to do is you put this stuff on your body, then you turn a fan on and it blows, blows, blows the fat away. Listen, I do it. And like one of those old infomercial commercials and you see a before picture of me where I'm like sad and I'm fat. Then you say an after picture of me and I'm still fat, but I got a big smile on my face because I use the blow away diet because it does absolutely nothing. But, you know, people will buy shit. And the way Buddy was doing it, we were in tears laughing uh, with his whole pitch to do this damn blow away diet. And then started talking about it. I was like, we have to do this. And by God, we did. And you just blow, blow, blow the fat away. Want another piece of cake? Go ahead. All you have to do is pour the powder on and blow it away. Could you imagine if that was a real product? And how much blow away we really could have sold? Oh, we would have been shielding it on this podcast so hard. Oh, you have no idea. Had him eating salad. If you don't want to eat salad, you're not a rabbit. Have a sandwich. Big six-foot sandwich and shit. Charlie Thrower wants to know, what happened to the event center and why don't we see it more? Could it work in today's environment of not having a GM? I think a, you know, the event center really in today's day and age is just turned into whatever set of whatever show that you're watching at the time. See, there's a nice clean finish winner and still champion. Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. What do you think? Is that your favorite intercontinental title of all time? Or is there another one you prefer design wise? Uh, You mean other than the original original? Like See what I did there? You like the original original the best? It was different. But of the contemporary Intercontinental Championships, this one I think was most iconic. No, I agree. I mean, this is the one I grew up on. It is curious, though, that you know you guys have the first world title, the, the Buddy Rogers belt, but you don't have the first Intercontinental. That's really weird. It feels like something you guys would have. Here's Jesse Ventura talking earthquake. Let's track it. When Hulk Hogan was announced tonight, but I got a feeling that that roar could end at SummerSlam. Right, Jimmy? That's right, baby. Hulk Hogan, you've been carried out once, baby. And I promise you this in SummerSlam, you're going to be carried out again. (laughs) Hogan, there's only one way for you out of the arena. And that's on that stretcher to the ambulance and back to the hospital. There won't be no interference on a tugboat. I'll see to that, Jesse. <laughs> and remember one thing, Hogan. No animal can survive an earthquake. <laughs> Let's go back to the jungle. Heels like to uh, laugh back then, huh? Oh, they do, man. Nobody did it better than Million Dollar Man. And by the way, 
he was in a dark match after the uh, taping was concluded here. Boss Man would beat Million Dollar Man, and then Dusty would team up with Sapphire to beat Randy and Cherry. Great stuff here. We mentioned earlier, you know. See, look, they're going through Africa right there. That's where we had to shoot. Clearly, yeah. Well, that explains why Mean Gene was doing the interview with Hulk Hogan. I mean, why Vince was and not Mean Gene, because Gene's literally on another continent. Oh, yeah, that too. What the fuck, dude? What are you doing? Let's track it. Are you lost? On the contrary, my dear fellow, we're looking for the mouth of the source of the Yangtze River. The Yangtze River? Well, brother, I'll tell you where it is. It's that way. <laughs> I don't think it's that way or that way. I think it is straight ahead. We could. It just happened to run across Akeem the African Dream as they're hiking through the continent of Africa. Yeah. Where would you want to cross him? Bruce, this is a radio show. We have to explain to people who aren't watching what we're watching. That's what I was doing. My apologies. Well, no, I, I, I get that. But, but I thought you were also asking a question. No, sir. So for, but so for those that were watching along on the watch along edition of it, they saw a King, the African dream in the middle of deepest, darkest Africa. Yes. Run into Lord Alfred Hayes, Marlon Perkins in Gene Mean Okerlund. Yeah. But now Gene is floundering in the Yangtze River. With a big duck or whatever the hell that is. Well, if you're going to be floundering, you want to be floundering with a big old duck. Well, the duck would like to be with the flounder. I'm confused. Boy, when you see those rhinos run, don't you think of Dave Silva? No. I do. No, I don't. So let's, uh, let's talk about what we're about to see here in a moment. we got Buddy Rose in the ring, and here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. This is the debut of the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, for the WWF. 17 pounds, McMahon. If he's 217, Roseanne bars Pavarotti and drag. I don't know about that. Let me think about that one. But right now, here he comes in his debut. His very first appearance in the World Wrestling Federation. They call him the Texas Tornado. Terry Von Erich. It's so cool to see this finally happening. What a what a big show this is. Let me ask you, you know, I hate to go right to the negative. But were you guys at all concerned about the rumor and innuendo about his supposed uh, demons? Or did those not become apparent until after he was already on the roster? Well, I think, you know, look, you can only judge people and how, how they are around you. And, and all of that was addressed. And I think that at this time for Carrie and talking to, you know, friends and family, what have you, they felt that Carrie was in a good place. Carrie was in a good place for a long time. And then for you know, whatever reasons, Carrie didn't, you know, kind of fell off. But. Coming in, I think Kerry was at one of the best places that, that I personally had seen him in a long time. Wasn't there a rumor that a few years prior to this, he was in discussion to play a role in Rocky as well, one of the Rocky franchises? Yeah, there was discussion about him being Drago and being the uh, the Russian that Dolph Lundgren 
Zoff Lundgren, right? Yeah, Rocky Four. Yeah. Uh, the carry would be that that big mean Russian, but Fritz didn't feel that that would be really good for his wrestling career. You know, back in the day, the old time wrestling promoters didn't think that Hollywood was a good place to to go. Do you think became a Hollywood like, star? Then you're just an actor. Do you think Vern was threatened? You know that. Hey, what if? Like, he, was he intimidated by by the movie biz or the idea that it might not? Was it self preservation to discourage Hulk from doing it, or did he think legitimately it's going to hurt his drawing power if they think he's a quote unquote actor and he's not real? Yeah, it wasn't Vern that discouraged him. It was Vince Senior, actually. And Vern is the one that brought him in and, and capitalized on that Rocky Three fame. You know, that's the funny thing that people often forget was that Vince Sr. didn't feel that that, that would be a good move for Hulk at the time and, and thought, you know, oh, hey, you want to be a, a movie star, go be a movie star, but you can't do both. And Vern capitalized on it, and then obviously... Vince capitalized on it, but uh, you know it's 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 funny how legend goes and how those stories get you know convoluted and what have you. That was one of Buddy Rose's greatest bumps. He loved to take the bump all the way to the floor on his head. Corey would write in: If Gary Von Erich's stay had been longer, do you think we would have eventually seen an angle where his foot was ripped off? I know that sounds silly, but let's not forget that a few years after this. Diesel and Sean are going to do that with a guy at ringside. So it does feel like something that could have been discussed. Do you remember that ever being an idea? That was, I think that was Vince's original end game. And that was something that, uh, you know, I think that he wanted to be able to tell that story because it really was a feel good story with Carrie. And as far as you know, ripping off someone's leg, that was Mad Dog Vashon, and that was his idea. Hey, here's my leg, cocksucker. <laughs> I don't they take my fucking leg off. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's what I would do. But the idea that you not only said use my leg, but then you called us a cocksucker is the best part of the whole deal. Coming up next, an unintelligible. Because Mad Dog did. Say it one more time. I'm going to clip that out and I'm going to make it a text message ringtone. Whenever you text me, it's going to hit me with that noise. I'm looking forward to that. Use my leg, you cocksucker. Lenny Bakken has one more question and then we'll. Efren's going to use that for damn sure. (laughs) I'll be getting a DM (laughs) soon. I, I can feel it already. Uh, Lenny wants to know, was there ever any discussion of bringing Kevin Von Erich to the WWF at this time? There was not, you know, and I think that Why not? from from the vantage point of another Von Erich, I think would have taken away from Kerry, but I also think that bringing Kevin in and having Kevin and Kerry as a team um, might have helped as well. But that's hindsight being 2020. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. We've got Rick Rude finishing up with a promo. Then we'll get an Ultimate Warrior promo. And we know that we're on a collision course for SummerSlam 1990. And what a show it was. Uh, Coming up here on the program, Something to Wrestle, we've got a bonus episode coming to adfreeshows.com featuring the lovely Miss Elizabeth. So if you're a big Elizabeth fan, you don't want to miss that over at adfreeshows.com. 
Next week, we'll be back with hashtag Ask Bruce Anything on August oh 14th. We're going to hit Bob Backlund uh, on August 21st. We're going to hit SummerSlam 2005. And don't you dare miss it. August 28th, we're going to revisit SummerSlam 1990, the show we're building to right here. We've got quite the August laid out. What are you looking forward to the most? You know, I always love the Ask Bruce Anythings. But. Because you just never know. But what? No, I do. I love them. I, I, I really and truly do. Um, but kind of going going through everything, I just to myself, I started to chuckle when when we got to Bob Backlund because I uh, have so much respect and admiration for Bob, and we became friends over the years so much so that he would just stop by on his way if he was going through Monroe, Connecticut, he would stop by and say hello. Always brought flowers or some kind of gift for my wife and we bring over a six pack of beer and just sit and have a drink and, and chat and just was genuinely one of the coolest people that I've ever known. And, and just some of the Bobby stories are so unreal, but yet that's just part of Bob's charm. Well, stay tuned. We're going to cover Bob, as we said, Next month here on the show, August 14th. Next week, it's hashtag Ask Bruce Anything. Don't forget, you can get all these shows early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. And you've got some new t-shirts over at brucepritchard.com and all your other swag is at boxofgimmicks.com. Until next week, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. And if you've got a question for next week's show, ask it right now over at Pritchard Show on Twitter. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Ask Bruce Anything right here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. Can you believe they're still doing this mutual of Omaha shit here? Because they's in Omaha. You gotta pay attention. There's a monkey there next to me, Gene, in a damn mutual of Omaha like safari outfit. You think that monkey wanted to rip his fucking face off? I bet he did. No, he's telling him where to scratch him. The monkey was cool. The monkey was monkey was easy to work with. You have yeah. a lot of monkey experience? I do have a lot of monkey experience. I worked with the monkey that worked with uh, Clint Eastwood in, uh, Any which way in but that boxing movie. What? Any which way but loose? Yeah. Yeah, that monkey was a lot of fun. He was cool. I think he was an orangutan. Okay, of the monkey family. The monkey... You motherfucker. Well, they are, aren't they? See you next week right here. Something to wrestle. Rock on again. There's no better time to say I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate stevensinger.com. And you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee. 
and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Pro tip for you, where in just a couple of minutes, you could save a boatload of cash and make your life a whole heck of a lot easier. With no money out of pocket, would you do it? Of course, I'm talking about SaveWithConrad.com. Just ask Bruce up in Warren, Michigan. He went to SaveWithConrad.com, saved a boatload of cash, left us a five-star review, and here's what he had to say. Our experience from start to finish was fantastic. My wife, Kelly, and I had never gone through a refi before and didn't know what to expect. David and Jennifer answered all of our questions quickly, thoroughly. Now we have the ability to pay off our credit cards and make improvements to our home, like new windows, a new furnace, and a new air conditioner. The big plus is we'll have the mortgage paid off before we retire. Thanks to the whole team for making our dreams a reality. And no, thank you, Bruce. We appreciate your listening to the podcast and, of course, your faith and confidence in me to go to SaveWithConrad.com. Now, if you're listening to me and you're thinking, man, I'd like to pay my house off faster and with cheaper monthly payments, and it might be nice to skip my next two house payments, but what if at the same time I could make some home improvements around the house and upgrade some stuff, turn my house into my dream home with no money out of pocket? Listen, I know that sounds too good to be true, but it really is reality. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners in more than 40 states now keep more of their own money and make life a little easier. And we can do this for you too now, even with credit scores in the 500. It's no cost, no obligation. And man, if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. So what are you waiting for? Get a quick quote right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, no house payments for two months. That's right. You won't have to make your August or your September payment. You're done until October 1st. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.